Part 10, The Exciting Conclusion. It was a riveting, guilty pleasure reading Serena's hostility log. I read it the first two times on the subway last night, and again this morning as I prepared my notes. Now it is 12.03 Saturday, and I wait for Helga at the Neptune Diner in Astoria. Helga is three minutes late, but I decide not to care. I get us a booth by the window and order a black coffee for myself and a hot tea with lemon for Helga. I take both copies of the log out of my plastic bag briefcase and smooth them onto my lap. Then I look out the window and watch for Helga, snickering with anticipation. At 12.06, I see her walk up the stairs to the diner entrance. I grin and wave as she walks through the door. So, Harold, what's the excitement? Helga slides into the booth and shrugs off her coat. You will never guess what I found at work yesterday. Let's see, an invoice? An unreconciled balance? The waitress brings out drinks and Helga smiles when she sees the hot tea with lemon. The waitress asks if we are ready to order. I ask for a grilled cheese, but Helga says she needs another minute to decide. So guess again. Guess what I found at work? Something to do with boar? Helga flips through her menu and lands on the breakfast and brunch page. I shift impatiently and wait for her full attention. Finally, she looks up and closes the menu. Okay, tell me, what did you find? I present her with one of the hostility logs. She looks at it quizzically. A spreadsheet? Read it. I watch as her expression changes from confusion to recognition. Then she grins broadly and whoops. You're kidding! Serena's? The waitress looks at us from across the room. Then she walks over and says, Ready? Helga orders a spinach and feta omelet, and I reorder my grilled cheese. Helga turns back to the log. Where did you get this? I found it on the share drive. It was buried in the bank rack folder. That's fabulous! So Serena was sentenced to anger management group too? I think so. The password for the spreadsheet was Phelps 6. Well, it didn't do her much good. When was she in the group? The log starts in April. Fascinating. Helga flips through the log. What are all the colors? I color-coded them with highlighters according to topic. Helga cackles. You did this by hand? I had to. The police still have my computer. Here, I made a legend. I flip to the last page and point to the color key. I also make a mental note to ask the NYPD for my belongings back. So what made her angry? Here, I listed the topics in descending order of frequency. She complained about David Bukowski the most. 121 times. I coded him yellow. Helga's eyes gleam. Really? You weren't the winner? Oh! That surprised me, too. The New York City subway system came in second. Lots of delays in her commute. I coded them orange. There were 73 entries total. Helga and I both laughed gleefully. I am third, with 71 entries. I coded myself green. And you're actually fourth, with 27 entries. I coded you pink. Me? 
What did she complain about me for? That bitch. The other customers turn and look at us, and Helga covers her mouth sheepishly. Mr. Thompson is fifth with 17 entries. I coated him blue. Jean is sixth with 11 entries. I made her purple. And Walter the Elevator Man is last with just one entry. I left him white. Walter? Why Walter? What did he do? Shall we read his first? Turn to page four of the log. She flips the pages and stops at the only white line on a spreadsheet. Then she reads out loud. Date, June 16th. What made me angry? Walter held me captive between floors in the elevator. Ha! We both laughed to the point of tears. Then Helga catches her breath. Walter told us that story, but I didn't know it was Serena. Did you? Nope. Keep reading. Why I was angry. This was a blatant act of disrespect and entirely unacceptable. We both laughed some more. So Serena must have told on him. That's why he was in our anger management group. Turn the page. Date, June 17th. What made me angry? Jean did not show sufficient concern regarding my complaint about Walter. She seemed bored by the conversation and asked if I was sure it was intentional. Keep going. Date, June 20th. What made me angry? Mr. Thompson begrudgingly took my complaint about Walter, but I did not sense his support. Helga wipes her eyes and turns back to the color legend. Let's do me next. I'm pink? Yep. Turn to page two. Date, May 4th. What made me angry? Helga called me a rigid moron. Yeah, that could be right. And page three. Date, May 18th. What made me angry? Helga lectured me about federal circulars again. Helga looks up with mock umbrage. Well, someone has to explain the circulars. We laugh again and the waitress brings our food. Helga pushes her plate aside and turns back to the log. What did she say about you, Harold? You're green? Start on page one. She flips back to the first page. Date, April 4th. What made me angry? Harold blew his nose at me again. He claims it's allergies, but I suspect it's spite. We both collapse in laughter. I catch my breath and say, It's true. It was spite. <laughs> then I blow my nose loudly into a napkin to demonstrate. We stay at the diner until 3.13. When we part ways, I am still smiling. This was truly one of the best days of my life. I decide to walk home and enjoy the crisp air. I reach my house at 3.34 and pass Cynthia at her driveway. I stop and wave hello. Hi, Harold. You look happy. I am. Well, that's good. Your lights are really great this year. Thanks. I'm taking them down tomorrow. It's after the epiphany. Okay. Cynthia opens the trunk of her car and takes out two bags of groceries. Then she turns back to me. Oh, and thank you for the scotch. Was that from you? Yep. I left David Bukowski's scotch on Cynthia's step on the way home last night. I don't drink, 
And Helga wouldn't want something from David. Well, thanks, Harold. Happy New Year. I walk across my lawn and crunch what is left of the snow. Then I remember my mental note about my computer. I go inside, pull out my smartphone, and compose an email to Linda Goldman, J.D. Need computer and chemistry sets back. Please advise. An auto-response bounces back. Linda is traveling until Monday, January 16th. I decide that I don't want to wait until then. On impulse, I head to the kitchen and search through my drawers until I find a business card from Detective Rose Vasquez. There is an email address at the bottom of the card. I retype my original message to Detective Vasquez and hit send. Nothing bounces back this time. Satisfied, I take Serena's hostility log out of my plastic bag briefcase and post it on my refrigerator with a Hamburglar magnet. Then I hear my email chime. Dear Harold, thank you for your message. You will have to go to the property clerk to get your belongings back. There is some paperwork you'll need to complete. Please stop by the precinct on Monday at 2 o'clock and I will help you with the process. Best, Detective Vasquez. It is Monday morning, 9.02. Boar's door is closed when I arrive at my desk, and I briefly wonder if he is inside his office. Then I shrug and enjoy my butted roll. I log onto my computer at 9.19, just as Jean walks in. Morning, Harold. Did you have a good weekend? Yep. I start to snicker as I remember one of Serena's log entries. What made me angry? I scheduled time with Jean to discuss serious concerns about the carpeting. Jean picked up her phone and made two calls while I was still talking. I choked back my laughter. Well, that's good. I'm here to tell you that Boris is going to be late today. He locked his keys inside his apartment, poor guy. He has to wait for a locksmith. Did he tell you? Nope. I laugh harder now and Jean looks at me quizzically. So how's it going with Boris, Harold? Fine, I guess. She starts to smirk and I look down at the floor. I'm working on the bank racks. Okay, uh, that reminds me. Boris forwarded me your email about Mr. Thompson's expenses from the Baltimore trip. Those expenses were all approved. I am surprised, but relieved I don't have to talk to Mr. Thompson again. Okay. Thank you, Harold. I'll send you an email for your records. Let me know if you need anything else. Jean walks out and I log onto my email. There is a message from Bohr copying Jean asking me to complete the bank wrecks by COB today. I sigh loudly at first, but then snort as I picture Bohr locked out of his apartment. I respond copying Jean. COB Wednesday is fine. Did you find your keys? Pleased with my boldness, I pull out Serena's list of original documentation still needed and cross off all matters relating to Mr. Thompson. All that's left now are the original receipts from David Bukowski's San Francisco trip. I find David's mustard-colored envelope of crumpled receipts and empty the contents onto my desk. I smooth each one and organize them into piles by month. Then I find a February stack and match up the receipts with the question debit card charges. To include alcohol, which we aren't supposed to pay for, but I set those aside for bore.
He can decide how to handle when he gets back. I move on now to the October bank statement. Once again, there are three ATM withdrawals for $100 each, tracing back to David Bukowski's debit card. More participant expenses. I turn back to my email and am pleasantly surprised that David has already sent me the sign-in sheets for October through December. I count the October signatures and verify that the total payments are consistent with the cash withdrawals. So far, so good. Next, I look at the debit card transactions. There are five charges from David Bukowski's card. Three look like restaurants and two are cabs. I go back to the receipts and locate the October pile. There are more receipts than charges, which means that David probably emptied everything from his pockets into his desk drawer. I sigh again, read through each receipt, and check off two that match the bank statement. I stop when I find the receipt from Target. The Target receipt does not match any of the transactions on a bank statement. Then I see it was paid with cash, not debit card. It was most likely a personal receipt mixed in with the others. I start to discard it, but then I read it again, and my heart beats faster as I make the connection. On October 20th, at 6.44 p.m., David Bukowski purchased two Pennywise Clown Halloween masks from Target. He was careful enough to use cash, but still sloppy enough to shove the receipt into his desk drawer. Serena was killed just 11 days later by two people in Pennywise Clown masks. I think back to the email exchanges between David and Serena and the 121 entries that Serena wrote about David in a hostility log. Did David kill Serena because she caught him stealing? But I remind myself that none of David's expenses were actually a problem. And there were two masks, two killers. My heart is racing now, and I try to decide what to do. I instinctively pull out my smartphone and take a picture at a Target receipt. Then I feel myself start to laugh. I'm still laughing when Jean walks in. Hello, Harold. What's so funny? She looks at me, amused. I am reconciling David Bukowski's October receipts. Ah, is there an issue? I realize now what I should do. I hand a Target receipt to Jean and wait for her reaction. I I'm sorry, Harold. I don't understand. What am I looking at? I found this with David's October receipts. He bought two clown masks from Target. Jean's brow crosses slightly. Did he charge this to the foundation? No, that's not the point. He bought two clown masks in October. Two Pennywise clown masks. I watch as her expression transforms from confusion to horror. Then she recovers. Thank you, Harold. I'm sure this is a misunderstanding, but I am going to consult with Mr. Thompson just in case. Please keep this to yourself and wait here while I find him. Jean walks out with the receipt. I consider texting Alga, but Jean specifically asked me not to tell anyone, so I don't. It is 10.13. I try to finish the October bank reconciliation, but I'm unable to concentrate. At 10.29, Jean still isn't back. 
At 11.02, I print out another copy of Serena's hostility log. I don't know if Gene has seen it, but I decide that it might be important. I also print out the email exchange between David and Serena and put everything inside a legal-sized manila folder. Gene finally returns at 12.07. Her expression is calm. Hello, Harold. I'm sorry about the wait. Do you have a few minutes? Sure. Great. Let's go into my office. I don't usually go into Jean's office. I grabbed the manila folder and my smartphone and followed down the hall. When we enter her office, I am immediately surprised that we are not alone. Mr. Thompson, David Bukowski, and Walter the Elevator Man are already seated in the leather armchairs around Jean's desk. David is pouring scotch. Harold, my man, come in. David gestures to the empty chair next to him. I look at Jean questioningly, and she smiles. It's all right, Harold. Sit down. I sit next to David, and Jean sits behind a desk. I look over at Walter, but he looks straight ahead. David hands drinks to everyone. I take mine, even though I don't drink. Then he gives me a smarmy grin. So, Harold... I understand you have more questions about my receipts. Everyone laughs, and I feel myself turn red. Then Jean comes to my rescue. It's fine, Harold, and it's good that you came to me. But David did not kill Serena. I feel a rush of both relief and humiliation. I look down at the floor. David puts his hand lightly on my arm, and I feel myself flinch. Harold, have I disappointed you? I think I have. Did you want it to be me? I'm sorry. I look back at Jean, and she is still smiling. But that was good work, Harold, and a very good catch. David did buy the masks. I look at David, and he winks. Now I'm confused. Jean continues. He bought the masks because I asked him to, although I did not ask him to give you the receipt. She glares at David, and he shrugs sheepishly. Then she smiles again. This was an HR matter, so I asked Mr. Thompson to commit the deed. And we recruited Walter to help. My blood rushes cold, but Jean is still smiling. I wonder briefly if I heard her correctly. Then I remember Jean's approval of Mr. Thompson's expensive dinner. Without thinking, I hear myself ask, was it because of the expenses? Did Serena prove they were stealing? Everyone laughs again, and Jean's eyes light up with pure glee. <laughs> of course not. Despite her accusations, she did not find a single example of actual fraud. We killed her because she was a professional pain in the ass. They wait for my response, and I shake my head with disbelief. Now Mr. Thompson speaks in a low, controlled voice. You, of all people, should understand, Harold. She was dreadful. A human resources nightmare. She complained to me constantly about everyone in this room, even poor Walter here, with excruciating detail. I think of Serena's hostility log and feel the corners of my mouth start to creep up. I let Mr. Thompson continue. I tried to help her. I sent her to anger management group with Miss Phelps, 
but it only made her worse. She became obsessed with documenting everyone's infractions. I had to send three more people to counseling, all because of her, you and Walter included. I look over at Walter, and he continues to stare ahead, but I know he is listening. I look back at Mr. Thompson. So why didn't you just fire her? Mr. Thompson finally loses control. Because she would sue, Harold, and I would be addressing her ridiculous complaints for all of eternity. As Director of Human Resources, it is my responsibility to protect the interests of all personnel. And I truly believe I did so. None of this seems real. But why did you hire Bor? Uh, Boris, I mean. Jean catches my slip and seems genuinely amused. Because Bor is a lifeless pushover, Harold. He'll do whatever I ask without question. As I said, he's exactly what we need. David raises his glass and says, Here, here. Then they all clink their glasses together. Without thinking, I clink my glass too, and they cheer. I take a sip for show and cough as it burns my throat. Now Jean addresses me directly. So I think you understand, Harold. We truly acted in the best interests of the Foundation. And I'm sure you also know that we will need your discretion. To show our appreciation, we will increase your base salary by 50000 a year, effective immediately. I almost believe her. But what will my job be? Whatever you want it to be. They look at me expectantly, and I'm not sure what to say. Then David adds, This could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship, Harold. Think about it. I put down my glass and get up without speaking. Then I take my manila folder, walk out, and close the door behind me. No one tries to follow. When I am safely at my desk, I reach into my pocket and pull out my smartphone. I press the save button and it stops recording. I shut down my computer and put my manila folder inside my plastic bag briefcase. Then I put on my coat and walk down the six flights of stairs. I see Bohr in the lobby and immediately start to laugh. Oh, hi, Harold. Sorry about this morning. That's fine. We didn't miss you. Uh, uh, okay. Did you finish the bank racks? Nope. He presses the elevator button and I laugh again. It will be a while before Walter comes, but I decide not to tell him. Instead, I go outside and walk towards the precinct. It is Monday. 1-12, I am meeting Detective Vasquez at 2. If all goes well, I will finally get my chemistry sets back. The air is cold and stings my face. I pull out my smartphone and text Helga as I walk. Dinner tonight? She responds, yes, what a day. I write back, you have no idea. I arrive at the precinct at 1-34. I am early, but I decide it doesn't matter. I walk up the stairs, sign in at the front desk, and ask for Detective Vasquez.